Welcome, everybody, to episode 73 of the Ecomasaurus podcast. In this episode, we'll be recapping the top e-commerce news stories of January 2024. We do this every month, and uh, there was a lot going on in January. So uh, with me, uh, with me, Tim McDougall, I have Parker Harrington and Sonny Wang, and as always, Shelby Kramer on the production deck. Um, the sponsor, as a reminder of this, the sponsor of the Ecomasaurus is 50 Pound Boson, an e-commerce marketing agency. We uh, at 50 Pound Boson, which all of us work at, uh, our goal is to help small to medium-sized brand owners who are working to grow their e-commerce sales channels. Episodes of the Ecomasaurus come out weekly, either Monday or Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you enjoy our content and want more of it, please give us a rating, a review, subscribe to the show, whatever you can do, all of it helps. Uh, and if you haven't checked out recent episodes, last week in episode 72, we dug into different Amazon fulfillment options, including, and these were some kind of basic one-on-one questions we get from new partners we work with, uh, but the differences between Amazon FBA and Amazon Remote FBA and FBM and what's best for what circumstances. The week before that, uh, we talked through how to recover when one of your products goes down, either through you ran out of inventory or it got suspended or ad budgets were cut and you're trying to bring that product back up. What are the best ways to recover? Which is a very common circumstance we find ourselves in many, many times. So for this episode, though, um, we talked about uh, in, in December, our recap was all about crime time. Like the, all the stories tend to revolve around crimes and e-commerce. We don't have as much crime here. We have some sad stories to start it off, but there was a lot going on. Um, and we were going to start off with, and we'll, we'll bounce through different topics here. We mentioned this briefly in our podcast last week, but just uh, what's being called bloody January, just layoffs everywhere in January for a lot of big companies. I'll give the quick list, but then we'll get some takes on it. But last week when we talked about this, and we briefly mentioned it, it was Google, Meta, Microsoft, Etsy, Citigroup, Nike, Discord, Amazon, BlackRock, Intel, Unity Software, eBay, Rent the Runway, Salesforce were all on that list. Added to that since in the last week was REI had massive layoffs. They're third in the last like 13 months, by the way. Levi's had a big massive layoff, 15% of its workforce. iRobot, which Amazon was going to buy, but then on January 29th, Amazon said, uh, we, have to, we can't buy this. The the European regulators are not going to allow the deal to go through. iRobot laid off over 30% of its staff. UPS last week announced they were dropping 12,000 jobs to save $1 billion in costs, they said. Thinks, which is a women's, uh, women's, women's uh, clothing and products company, laid off 95 people. And they were kind of a darling of the startup retail industry, uh, online industry. PayPal laid off 2,500. Wayfair laid off 60, 1,650. Flexport laid off 20% of their company. They also laid off 20% in January of last year and 20% in October of last year. So that's that puts them down to a little over half of their former staff um, after all that's done. And they were the ones, by the way, Flexport, if you weren't following, the ones that were teaming up with Shopify to create Shopify's big giant fulfillment network. And when Shopify backed off of that, things got a little, a little dicey. Uh, Macy's laid off 3.5%. This is more traditional online retail. Um, and 38% of business leaders said that they expect layoffs to happen in their companies in 2024. 50% said there's going to be a hiring freeze. So we talked a little bit about it last week about what we think is driving this. Any fresh takes? I mean, 
not that we want, we don't need to dwell on this forever, but there were so many more of these that came out after we talked about it last week. Parker, what's driving it? Money. Yeah. <laughs> Money's what I got. Sonny, what you got? Well, same thing it goes to what Parker is saying uh, regarding money. But uh, just to add a little bit more on top of that, with the rising interest rates last year and also the banking crisis uh, early part of last year, access to capital may be, may be hard to come by. And, um, you know, they're just maybe Wall Street just not uh, uh, offering as much money and these companies just not having access to the capital. Maybe that's yeah. something so, to do with it too. I think that's part of it. Yeah, there's, there's what, what always puzzles me on this is the fear of recession when we just announced. So the January job growth announcement was 350,000 jobs, which was higher than expected. And that's overall, that's not just e-commerce. And unemployment is still, for January, was still 3.7%. So it's still low. Um, so is this, we think this is mostly like retail and tech shedding jobs because this didn't seem to be I mean, this seemed to be a lot of layoffs happening in January, but we also didn't see unemployment jump up or anything like that. And we saw net jobs being added being greater than expected. So it's. Yeah. And just also locally, like in California, there's a lot of retailers closing, right? Because of uh, organized retail thefts and that type of thing. Yeah. And I think, well, Parker, your point this morning in our kind of pre talk was the announcement from um, uh, which company announced it was Amazon that announced they had much bigger growth than expected. And that was because they had fewer people now because of all the layoffs and their stock price shot up and everybody celebrated. So that's part of the reason for this. Um, you see this uh, periodically, one company does layoffs and a bunch of others will do it. There was also concerns about, was there overhiring during the pandemic? Is this finally the correction that was coming? But yeah, just a lot of, a lot of tough things that are, the net result of this, I think, because a lot of these are jobs in e-commerce or marketplace platforms. Like we talked about those. There's a lot of there's a lot of people that have expertise in those areas walking the streets right now looking for work. So um, we'll see what happens with it coming up. Our you know immediate impact, yeah, we think it's going to be harder to get somebody on Amazon support. We need to call somebody on support, right? Um, there's just fewer of them to call right now. But we'll see uh, where this goes. We're hoping that's kind of it's you know it's sad for everybody who's been affected by this. There's been a lot. I know people who have been affected by this, um, but it's just a it's. The numbers were fairly large. Um, I also want to talk real quickly too about, it'd be hard to just ignore it if we're doing a January recap, but there were some pretty grueling congressional hearings for social media execs that happened Wednesday of this week. We're recording on Friday. The podcast will come out on Monday. We're recording Friday on February 2nd. But those podcasts, um, again, this is, uh, so we tend to look at in our business as just, you know, social media is an e-com customer acquisition channel. That's, that's how it relates to us, um, either by organic or by ads. But some of the, what happened in there, that hearing was pretty grueling and it focused on harm to kids is where it really ended up focusing on uh, kids that were harmed by either being bullying and committed suicide or were able to buy drugs through some of these networks and OD'd. And there was a leaked Facebook document that said that the value of a new teenage user on Facebook and Instagram is $270. Uh, that was the lifetime value of it. And in the context of this, uh, there were also people with t-shirts in the audience saying my life is worth more than $270 and things like that. That was pretty grim. Um, and the reason I bring this up, not that, you know, we're not doing 
kind of the bigger current events. There's there's real social issues here, right? Um, but to me, and Sonny, I want to hear your take too, because you I think you have a slightly different take on this. To me, you know, that two hundred seventy dollar figure that's really ad revenues is what most of that is, and that's spent by people like us, uh, you know, doing e commerce or doing other kinds of advertising. There's one of okay, there's there's a connection there, but there's also I think at the end of this, there's going to be legislation or new regulations passed around protecting and protecting users and around privacy. And that's probably going to be for the greater good, but it probably makes advertising on these uh, networks less effective. Yeah. So what's your take, Sonny? Well, does this remind you of uh, some of the 80s and 90s, like, um, you know, rock music or rap music or video games where... You know, where like uh, policymakers, they want to protect kids and, um, you know, against like what bad languages, violence, that type of stuff. And oh, so you're tying this, you're going way back for those of us who were born in the one nines. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in the 80s, there was Tipper Gore was the was for everybody who's not familiar with this was a big proponent in Congress of putting the uh, parental advisory labels on music that had language that was deemed objectionable and it mostly hit uh mostly hit rap albums is where it mostly went on although when anything that had objectionable language and that was the how do we protect our kids was the whole basis for that and also during that time late 80s early 90s or mid 90s was was mad which was also let's let's lower the uh alcohol limit for driving to protect kids as well so you're kind of tying it back to the we're going to use we're going to look at the let's protect our kids and that's going to cause new legislation to come through or new rules to come through. Yeah. I mean, how do you legislate that all out? I mean, you could put labels and uh, disclosures, notifications, that type of thing, right? But how do you, let's say, legislate out bullying? Yeah. And I think a lot of, <laughs> I don't know, that's, that's, it's a hard one. I think a lot of the, a lot of the testimony was about uh, what kind of oversight do, does X or Facebook have over content? So what are they filtering out and do they have moderators? Do they, do they give their moderators power to take these things out and stop the stuff when it's happening or do they just let it go on? Which early on that's their defense was free speech. We just need to let it all occur. Right. Uh, and, and I think the cry was, no, you have to have moderation on this somehow. And so we'll see I, moderation on something as big as Facebook is not a simple thing though. Right. And and I don't know if this is a good analogy, but recently there's been a lot of um, advertising, like the sports betting, right? Yes. Uh, certain states are still, you know, let's say illegal to to you know bet on some of these, but the advertising will give you like a number to call if you feel that you're abused or you know if you have a gambling problem. I mean, is that uh, is that one way to kind of address this? Like you put a maybe I, I I tend to look at that as you're nodding to make the regulators okay, but it really doesn't address the problem because you're still right. advertising getting people to gamble on exactly. sports, right? right? And and maybe I'm just bitter because I watch a lot of sports and I'm tired of the sports. I'm tired of the sports betting ads, and we're just getting started. And I'm tired of every, right? We're just getting started too. I'm tired of like a sports podcast I listen to has a five minute break because right. they got to go through their ad for the sports betting and then do all the disclaimers and helplines and everything else. Um, and I don't live that far from work. I can be right. all the way to the office before I get through the ad block. I break on those. Tim, you should call one of those, see if it's a free service and see what they offer. That'd be interesting. I should call, <laughs> I should put myself on the record as somebody with a gambling addiction, right. which 
by the way, for anybody listening, I do not have. So. <laughs> Didn't mean to paint you in that light. No, no, I'm I, I'm way too competitive. I know if I got into too much sports betting, I could get out of control. So I have never done it outside of the fantasy football pool and and uh, NCAA tournament pools and things like that. That's about all I do. Um, but yeah, I I don't know where that's going to go. But we may see a lot of content moderation. There may be a lot of things that um, that start getting disallowed. I we'll see where it goes. I don't think that. Um, I, I thought CNN's take was one of the funniest ones um, in a subject that's not that funny, but but theirs was their headline was a rare unifying force on Capitol Hill hating social media companies, and that was talking about how Democrats and Republicans all coming together saying they hate Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Basically, was kind of the the genesis of that. So um, we'll see where all this goes. And do you think it could also be something? Go ahead. And if there's going to be legislation, do you think it's limited to children or do you think it will spill over to the general population? I don't know. I, I'm, I mean, I think they're going to target how do you make this a safer place for kids, which I do think is important. Um, but I don't know where the legislation goes or if this is mainly show before an election year um, and pomp and circumstance and then it kind of gets ignored. Um, that's a very cynical response, but I think it is a real problem. I, as full exposure, like I, you know, used to be a newspaper publisher for a bunch of years at one point. And the thought that, and back then I was of the mind and I fought hard to say, I thought the social networks should be moderating what goes on their platforms, not just for abuse, but also for, you know, fake news that comes out and not the kind of fake news meaning it's just news you don't like, but actual fake propaganda news that gets used there. Uh, and that was met heavily with a, we are not going to moderate anything at Facebook at the time. And this was back in the early 2010s, right? Um, so I've been a long from what I think there needs to be some moderation there. I know the problem with moderating there is highly difficult. So we'll see what happens with it. Should we do some good news yes. after that? After those two, we open with two downers, people getting laid off and then social media problems with kids. Um, the great inventory glut may be finally winding down. Um, this is a report uh, from Retail Dive, who's citing a bunch of other sources on theirs. But uh, in uh, as background on it, there was a huge uh, boost in consumer demand for online products that happened during the pandemic that continued through 2021. Every manufacturer jumped up their production orders, tried to get more, and then we ran out of shipping. So a bunch of products stacked up in China and all of a sudden in kind of late 2021 and through a lot of 2022, the price for a shipping container to get goods from China to the U.S. went up. You know, if you were paying 3000 now you're paying 27000 things like that. And or you just couldn't get a container at all. So we had Shipageddon where inventory just stacked up in China and couldn't get through. And then it all finally kind of came back through. And then we had a giant inventory glut in some product areas for a while. And that finally seems to be subsiding apparel was the worst hit um but there was reports here and what what retail dive sites is a lot of reports saying inventory levels relative to sales are back to where they were pre-pandemic finally um where levels back to sale and in other industries they've been getting back to normal a little bit earlier but apparel was the kind of last one the last one to catch back up um that i think is good news for all of us that we're finally kind of through that. Cause I think what resulted for us a lot of times is what we found ourselves competing with super cheap product on Amazon. And really it was just people trying to clear product out because they just had too much and they needed to, they needed to clear it, get some cash from it, even if they weren't going to make money on the sale. 
they needed to capture their inventory cost back and put it, make it liquid again. Parker, any take on that? Because a lot of the, prank, I don't know how many of the products you work on directly have had to fight this issue. A lot of the ones I work on directly have. So I know in like sewing, this was an issue, for example, which is one of the categories I work in. But Yeah, I guess the story I can share is it's taking me back to the few years ago where we were watching or tracking the ships as they were on the ocean. Yep. And when they would dock so that we could get product. And I haven't thought of or done that in quite some time. So I think that speaks to where we're at today. Yeah, I think we got the the product came back finally, so we haven't we haven't had to have the like pulling up and refreshing by the hour where the stuff ships are stuck in the Suez Canal, right? Or where they're stuck outside the port of Los Angeles, right? That was the big, um, you know, Sunny Sunny, you're based out of Los Angeles. We should have just sent you over there to go pick up hmm. stuff, but uh, but there were just where there was at one point three hundred container ships stacked up outside the port, and it was going to take some of them a month to actually get into the port. They didn't have even supplies to support people. It was, it was getting pretty grim. That hasn't been grim from a shipping standpoint in over a year. What's been grim is just now all the goods are here and people have too much stuff and they don't even have warehouse space. So that seems to be clear. Not that that's a hope that we get back to normal um, on a lot of things. And this is not just us, but I think a lot of sellers have commented on there's just so many um, things that look like they're being sold below cost on Amazon over the last year. And that I hope that starts to wane. That's been kind of a fight of well, how low do you drop to keep the buy box and keep your product moving or do you just like walk away for a little bit and hopefully we're past that stage or moving past that but that was good news to me that's the first time i've heard the evidence that the glut is ending on it on shopify so some urgent news here too we ought to go into um, february 1 so the day yesterday as we record this um you need to authenticate your email if you're sending out emails as part of your shopify business and we've been doing this with all of our partners and making sure we're buttoned up and set. There is a really good guide. If we had one up on our side, I'd direct you to it. But there's a really good guide on the eastsideco.com blog. And if you just look for Gmail authentication requirements, Shopify businesses, and we'll put the link in the show notes too. Um, but they have a nice quick guide on it. And what you basically have to do without getting too much into it here, because we don't make a whole podcast about how to authenticate your email. But you need to authenticate your email with this is going to sound like tech garbage gobbledygook, but you can look these up. DKIM, SPF, and DMARC. Those are just the things that lets Google know you're a legit seller or you're a legit sender. Um, you need to uh, enable people to unsubscribe easily from your email. So you need to make it really obvious if somebody wants to unsubscribe how they do it. Um, you need to keep spam complaints below 0.3%. You need to remove, if your email is a from whatever, whatever at Gmail or at Yahoo, you need to change that because um, they're just going to start blocking all those if they go out in bulk is what's going to happen. You're just, you can send them, nobody's going to see them. Um, you need to change that to whatever your domain is um, and make that the suffix on your from address. And that sounds basic, but I get so many spam emails a day. I've gotten a lot less last couple of days since this was implemented, but from people still using a gmail.com or yahoo.com and not their own thing. You need to set up your own brand ascending domain if you don't and just match up that to your from address on it. So those are, it's, it sounds very scary and you do have to go through some steps to authenticate your email with those services. Um, but the net result and why this matters is you'll keep sending stuff, but just nobody will see it. This is a, you know, Google 
and Yahoo have announced this a long time ago. They're going to get much more strict on how much spam hits people's, uh, how much just of these bulk sends hit people's inboxes. And if you don't make that, you might not even know. You just see your open rates drop is what you'll see, right? Sonny, you were about to say something. Add something on there. Yeah, I was going to ask you, this is, how, how does this affect like a service like Klaviyo or does it affect it? It does. And if you use a service like Klaviyo, um, they've been very upfront about saying, here's the things you need to do on your account to make sure it's set up for these new um, Google and Yahoo authentication rules. Mm -hmm. And they do have step. If you use one of those services, or use MailChimp, uh, they've had step-by-step -step guides on how to make sure you're set on this. And I think the latest from them was, I think a lot of people have just gone through the step-by-step -step guides and made sure they're covered. A lot of people haven't, though, was some of the, some of the word I've been hearing, too, is that there's a lot of people who have not got this set up in time. Um, and then they need to get it done now. So um, if you haven't, and you're listening, if you haven't taken these steps to authenticate your email, there are steps you need to do. It's more than just making sure you're not in a, in a from gmail.com or, or from yahoo.com. Uh, you need to go get the authentication set up. But if you do those, you should be fine, right? Um, but just keep in mind, yeah, Google and Yahoo are both trying to keep uh, people from getting overwhelmed in their inboxes right now. And us, us marketers ruin everything, right, Parker? Always. <laughs> it's easy even a nice free tool to communicate with people like email then you just abuse it until it become there's too many of them right this is making me think of there's been some larger corporations that have somehow ended up on the email list uh, I can't name any of them right now but they didn't have the unsubscribe button anywhere in the email and I'm going to yes. like their site trying to figure this out and I hope I hope they get got I do too. I still get, so by the way, I, I lived in Phoenix, but it was 2006 to 2010. Okay. So I lived in Phoenix. I still get emails from the Diamondbacks group, or D Diamondbacks season ticket sales guy, which I never had season tickets, but I got in their list at one point. I have tried to unsubscribe from that multiple times over the last 14 years. I have been not successful. I still get emails, especially during the baseball season, like every week from them. I've unsubscribed it. So I, yeah, people like that are going to get got. And I used to work in the sports industry. So I think of people that I think are not going to follow these steps, I think sports industry, especially ticket sales teams, are probably going to be among the worst defenders on this. But yeah, I'm still getting it. Like 14 years later, I can't get off their list somehow. Um, and there's many examples like that. Have you tried reporting the emails as spam? Yep, they just keep coming. Oh, wow. <laughs> this, this thing is, this thing, you can't kill it. Um, this email thread, it's it's like, you know, the cockroaches after the nuclear war, Sonny. It just doesn't, it doesn't die. It just keeps on living on this one. Let's talk about some other marketplaces here too. So, and this caused a little bit of a, like, stirs of disbelief among our team, among some of these news items that came out. But, uh, and there's a bunch here. So we'll kind of add all these up here. But a bunch of the mar other marketplaces out there kind of announced or had news coming about it how they were planning on growing. The one that was the most surprising to me, but Sonny and Parker, you may have a different take, was TikTok saying it planned to grow 10x in, uh, in 2024 in the US, which would make it a $17, $18 billion uh, marketplace in the US by the end of 2024. They felt awfully aggressive this year and how like the discounting they had going on and all kinds of crazy stuff. Growing 10x on top of that, I want TikTok shop to grow. I think it'd be it's another great option, right? But is 10X even realistic? I don't think so. Given how aggressive they were in year one? I doubt it. Parker? 
Yeah, I mean, aim there and see where they end up. More so just so that we talk about it. Is that essentially why they came out with it? Yeah, I think that might be the case. And t- setting up a TikTok shop is not as easy as they make it out to be either. Um, they make it out to be a couple-click thing, but it really is a much more involved process. And what we found on that, it really, if you're, if you have a large audience on TikTok, it works pretty well. But if you don't already have a large audience on TikTok, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily do a lot. Um, but that's it. Another option, 10x seems a little unrealistic. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Timu opened up to U.S. sellers, so they have not allowed U.S. or European sellers until now, and they just announced they're going to add them. So if you want to join, you can. I think the question most analysts are having is. Well, how many people are actually going to sign up? Because um, in the past with services like this that were uh, based overseas, when they opened it up to U.S. signups, not many U.S. companies signed up was the thing. So there's that. But there's also the news that came out of that from the analysts as they were going through this was, oh, wait, holy crap. Uh, traffic to Timu. I was saying it was Sheen early, but it's Timu is what I meant to say on that. But Timu, um, traffic on Timu is about as big as walmart.com, which that was a bit of a surprise. I didn't expect that. It's way less than Amazon still, but it's about the same as walmart.com. Parker, I think your first your first reaction was you didn't believe those numbers could be true, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just, I haven't given them the respect or something's off. It's just... You're getting old, Parker. You're, one of the, you're, you're coming a boomer now, right? That's what I'm saying. Uh the kids are going to Timu and you just you're just not with them right anymore. Uh, the other thing that threw me off on here is Amazon UK getting more traffic than Amazon Canada. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so we're looking at a chart here that is from Marketplace Pulse and it's data pulled from similar web is where they're getting all their data on it. Where Amazon.com is the big giant gorilla at top, eBay is number two for traffic, Etsy's number three, but then right behind them is Walmart, right behind them is Amazon Germany. And right behind them is Timu, right? Which is ahead of AliExpress. And that was one of the other stories too of how much Timu was just kind of blown by AliExpress, which was kind of the poster child for here's here's a marketplace outside the US that is growing and getting bigger. But yeah, some surprises there. We might have to look. I don't think many US sellers are going to jump on there because I think most US sellers I talk to look at Timu as the enemy because they're selling super, super cheap goods over there and they can't match the prices Timu's offering right now anyways. On other news related to that too, um, and and among all this, we should say Prime membership actually grew in 2023. Analysts thought it would be down or flat at best, but it actually grew again. um, That was a bit of a surprise. They announced that in January. And then Walmart announced that they're not going anywhere either. They're launching 100. They they previewed their five-year plan and it includes 150 new stores at a time when most other big brick and mortars are closing stores. Amazon's adding, or Walmart is adding 150 and then really overhauling and remodeling 650 of them. So that's a big deal. They did close, and this this was sad for me because I love when companies like Walmart have a separate innovation unit that really can focus on that. And for Walmart, that was always store number eight was their innovation store where they tested everything new out. And you can actually go into it live and see what they were doing. And they finally closed that. So that that's closing this month. and and. The guy who was head of that, I think, quit in protest. Sure. Um, but they closed that and said they're going to make every store an innovation store now, which um, I don't think is going to work the way they think it is. But we'll see on that. Any quick takes there? Were you surprised that Amazon Prime membership grew? Because that was the 
and the background by is they they added a ton of prime memberships during the pandemic and then people post pandemic were kind of saying okay i don't need this as much anymore and getting rid of them it wasn't like amazon was going away but just some people said post pandemic they didn't need their prime subscription anymore so it was a surprise that it went up sunny any take from you was that what you expected no no i i it's really not a surprise um there's no percentage number you know figures is in terms of how much they grew right other than they grew so um they are i didn't include a link in here but they they it was about uh it was about a five percent growth so it wasn't wasn't tiny yeah it was th- at three and a half or something <laughs> like that but, but that was after they did decline so they did decline from 2021 to 2022 they actually declined a little bit and then they grew more than they declined the year prior in 2023 um also on that we should just mention it's not gonna be a big deal but um that monday so a week from when this podcast uh goes on air um amazon started doing ads on prime so if you didn't want to have ads in your prime shows if you wanted to watch your reacher without ads you have to pay an extra 299 right. a month and there was a big talk around that's going to drive a lot of people to quit amazon prime i don't think that really happened though that's that's kind of where i was thinking with these new memberships are people signing up to watch the tv shows or yeah. did i miss any bundles of where Sign up for Spotify and get Amazon Prime. It could be. I think some people are signing up for TV because Amazon's investment in in streaming TV is pretty deep right now. Right. Um, they they have the MGM catalog. Parker and Sunny, do you have? I think right. They have a lot on there right now. They have to do the the MGM catalog. Yeah. Um, and then their own studios. So there's a lot of good content coming out. There's a ton of content there. Are you Prime subscribers? I am. Music and video. Did you do the two ninety nine extra to not have ads, or did you? Um, I haven't seen ads yet, so. <laughs> okay, I did on Monday when I went in to watch a show okay. on there, because that's that's where I, I get my my um my NBA uh package. I get through through that. So, but it told me, and NBA is going to show ads anyways because it's showing the broadcast of the games, right? Um, but it told me that I was going to start seeing ads with programming unless I paid two ninety nine extra a month, and I just said. Yes, I don't. I'm I'm terrible. I'm a marketer. We buy a lot of ads. We try to get, get people to watch our ads, and I'm the one who says I'll pay two ninety nine a month to avoid seeing ads. Right, Parker? Do you have Prime family account? Video or no? Family? Oh, you're still. On, that's right. You can still do the family account. Does the family account exclude ads, or do you not know yet at this point? I'm assuming we're signed up for ads. Go watch something and let us know on that one. <laughs> you're right. I haven't. I haven't tuned in. Uh, the boys was the last show that I was watching. Okay, so you see if you get your ads with the boys or not. Shelby, I'm going to call on you for this. Amazon Prime, yes or no? And did you, if so, did you opt in or to the two ninety nine extra? Yeah, definitely a Prime girly. Um, annoyed that the membership rates just keep going up and up though. Remember the good yes. old days when it was a hundred bucks. I think it's now up to a hundred and forty, and who knows in February what they're going to charge for us, but. I haven't um, watched anything recently, so can't speak to the, the ad experience. But I'm a cheapo, so I'll keep the ads turned on. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I, I fear all it would be was more sports gambling ads, and I, I'm already tired of those right Tim, now. The ads that uh, you saw were they clickable or were they just uh, a display? Just a. I didn't see the know. ads, Sunny. I tur- I paid the two ninety two dollars ninety nine oh, cents. So I didn't see the ads. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's what they're that that the big question is. Is is this going to be 
direct response kind of sale ads where you sell things in the marketplace. One of the big debates out there is if you're uh, if you're you're an advertiser that's not on Amazon.com, not in the marketplace, is this still a good channel for you to advertise? So if you're an advertiser that's mainly looking for reach and awareness, their audience is pretty big now. So is it you know, do you still go there even though you you're not trying to make a sale on Amazon.com? If you're progressive insurance, do you still go and run your ads there or not? That's that's being heavily debated right now in the in the uh, in the big media buying agencies that I do talk to or hear from. That's one of their debates. Is is this now? Do we just look at this like a broadcast channel, ads on Amazon Prime, or do we still look at it as they're trying to do direct response ads in video programs? Well, just for things on the market. Yeah, well, just to kind of uh, kind of switch gears a little bit here, um, Shelby and I, I think we dropped notes um, regarding TikTok right? Where all of your posts can be shoppable, right? So auto identifies products in, let's say, a video. Can yes. Amazon do something like that where you're watching, let's say, The Boys or, or Reacher and you see products and you can search for it and then shop for it right there and then? I don't think you can now. I haven't seen that if they have it. I know that's been in some of the roadmaps they've promised for addressable TV for a long time for addressable TV ads, but I haven't really seen it uh-huh yeah wasn't that in play for black friday with that football game yes it was yeah, you, now that you mentioned it was for the black friday pr- football game they had it was in play for that i did use al- along those lines though i did test android launched a new feature uh and they launched it uh earlier in, or the 30th or 31st or just a couple of days ago but it's their circle um feature that they're calling it and circle to shop and what I tested it on, when you're supposed to be able to look at any photo, um, hold down your home button for an extended period of time, and then circle the thing that you wanted to go look for. So I went on Instagram, looked for, looked for a picture of some couple that was trying to show us their best life and their, the life they want us to think they're living, um, and then held the long pause on it. They were both wearing stylish jackets. And I didn't get to circle, though, and say, circle, look up this jacket, find this jacket for me on the web. But when I did do the long pause, it immediately selected one of the jackets and I could toggle between either the guy's jacket or the woman's jacket. And when I toggled, it would show me all the things on the web that were very similar looking to that jacket automatically. And that they've had versions of that, but they announced, they put out a much improved version of that along with a bunch of ads calling it circle with circle to select. It's one, it's one of their AI features that they're, they're talking about a lot. I don't know how you do that on, because that's what a version of that for TV shows, Sonny, is what you're talking about here. Right. Right. And I've seen that in presentation decks a ton. I've not seen it live or in live in a way that really people use. I think that maybe because they're, they're watching TV show, they don't want to break their TV show off to go shop at the moment. Right. What's happening there. Maybe it would be part of that uh, Amazon video x-ray. Is that what this calls? Like where you can click that mm-hmm. and you can see who's in the movie and what music is playing. And all of a sudden you can have product listings. And do you know what X-ray shows for if you're watching NBA League Pass, which I spend a lot of time of in the evenings watching? No, what does it show? It shows live stats for the game. It's actually pretty oh, cool. It shows okay. live stats for the game of who's doing what. So it's it actually kind of a nice nerdy feature if you're into that kind of nerdy. It's like 2K. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of feels like it. Um, real quick, we also should talk about uh, Shopify here. So Shopify launched their Shopify Editions Winter 24 um, email and that came out just this week so Wednesday this week on the 31st they, they sent that out 
and it's got 100 new features for Shopify. So we're not going to cover them all here. Um, we all flip through it. There's a lot in there. There's not a, for some of it. There's not a timeline exactly when it comes out. I have some highlights of when I looked through there that we can talk about. But who else looked through it and has a highlight they want to pull out of something that was in there that, of note? Shopify subscriptions, having it built in. Yes, they're making that native. Now. Yep, built yeah, in just like Amazon. And I mean, we've been using those apps for years. Just like that, they're out of business. Yeah, yeah. My my question is, does the information transfer over? So. Um, if you use the native Shopify subscriptions, does that mean all, you got to reacquire all your subscribers or not? Or can it carry that data over or not? Do you own the data or is that data housed in the third-party app that we installed? So that's, that's, we'll figure that out over the next week or two. But that's, um, I saw that, I thought that was great. I thought uh, the AI photo support tool, which we played with a little bit, and Sonny, you specifically played with a lot. I thought that the demo I saw of that was much improved over the one that we we kind of tested out the one they launched in Q4. Right. It's kind of it's only going to get better. But right? this one, oh, this one, well, the one they showed here that's now supposed to be live, I thought was much slicker and gave much better images for products. I thought I thought it was a huge advance. It's still not perfect, but I thought it was a pretty big advance. Yeah. Uh, they also launched new discount types are now native, so you can do things like buy this get that. Buy X, get Y in discounter language. But there's all kinds of additional discount options they offer on the site that you used to have to get a third-party app to do. So that's pretty interesting as well, I thought. Um, Shopify Collabs, if you're doing a lot of work with creators, got a lot of upgrades in terms of like how to bill your collaborators and things like that. And they're building in, going to our top theme here, a lot of privacy management tools. So you can really govern how privacy works on your site. Um, Anyhow, there's a ton of stuff there. If anybody wants to go check it out, if you're if you're a Shopify seller developer, you probably should. It's at shopify.com slash additions slash winter twenty twenty four. Any other things we want to hit with that? Oh, we covered a lot. There's a lot in there. Yeah. There's you can have two thousand variants on a project now, on a product now, which you didn't used to be able to do. Um, so there's a lot of things going on there. Let's talk about let's and this might be where we close and run out of time. We'll find out. Uh, well, let's talk about one thing first, and then we'll go into AI stuff, right? Um, but one thing that we wanted to cover, a change at Amazon, was that Amazon now is going to allow third parties, because it used to be, you know, up till now, if you have your brand registered, you control that listing and nobody else can put content on it. They're going to allow third parties to add content to your listing photos if it's a key photo that you don't already have. And the key photos... There's three now required photos. One is the basic, your product in a white background. The second is your product in an environment, so some kind of lifestyle shot. And the third is your product with dimensions, so height, width, things like that. What do we think about that, guys? I like to see how it's implemented. Yeah, right. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. Overall, it should create a better experience for the Amazon customer, but uh, quite the opposite for the Amazon seller. Yeah, it might, and how we've handled this is in all our meetings we're going through right now, we're talking with partners about saying, okay, if we don't have those three images, let's get them all done. Because we'd rather create them and control them than have a third party jump in there and put things on there and present it in a way we don't want. Um, or use that as a backdoor to kind of get in and take control of part of your listings, which is the other fear on it. Um, but yeah, Parker, from your standpoint, if, if the original seller is not putting those things on there, it's probably a plus for the user. 
but uh, and and the original way this was announced was they could put all kinds of images on your listing. Now it's been kind of clarified to be it's those it's those three, right? But this is the first time Amazon said brand registry won't give you priority if you don't have it, and they offer it up. We're going to take their image and use it on your listing, and you don't have a say in that, which was kind of surprising for us. Um, let's cover some AI stuff to close this out, though. Um, so and Parker, the one you were talking about before this, let's talk about TikTok and Universal and artists getting pulled off of that and deep fakes and everything coming in with that. Yeah, that's pretty big news. Uh, TikTok kind of works hand in hand with, ha- with having their music from Universal and some of the other big studios. And Universal just this week, after some of the recent news with Swift, et cetera, uh, uh, didn't feel comfortable. And TikTok said they can't protect the artists against AI and deep faking. As far as I can tell, I haven't checked on TikTok to confirm it, but all the news is saying that uh, Universal has been pulling those songs. So, I mean, that's already done, or at least for some artists. That's the news I heard was that TikTok has confirmed that all of Taylor Swift's songs are now off of TikTok. I think Universal is protecting its artists. And to everybody who doesn't know, there was a deep fake of nude and or sexually explicit photos or video with Taylor Swift, or not with Taylor Swift, but with a all deep fake AI driven. And she objected to that. And there's been a call to say, you got to prevent that. And TikTok has said, we can't prevent it. And so Universal's pulling all its artists off. And we, the rumblings are that a lot of labels are going to pull their artists off and rights for their tracks. So you're going to lose a lot of that, I think, TikTok experience, which is the music goes along with it a lot of times too. So that's, that's big news. And the whole deep fake thing is big news and how it affects these social networks that we drive ads through. Um, Amazon will also say, we saw this first um, live last week where Amazon said, Hey, we're going to, we have our AI has crawled your listings. Our, our, I think they're, they hyped it up as a big deal, right? Um, we're using the power of AI to enrich content on some of your ASINs and your catalog. Please review the changes. So that does sounded like there was a big notice in the front page. Oh, cool. Let's see what you got. Like, this seems like a big deal. You've been talking about how powerful your AI is, how much you can improve things. Um, we got this on one of our partners that has over a thousand SKUs. So we thought there's going to be a lot of stuff here, all this hype. And what we got was a Excel sheet that said on one particular SKU in the back end, we didn't have a quantity field filled out. They said, you should put 1.0 in the quantity field. That was it. That was the sum of all the recommendations. Um, to do that though, their way you had to go and download this huge template, approve things in template, re-upload it. And it was basically one. So we just went in the back in the listing and added the 1.0 on the quantity and we were done. Is that disappointing? <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't know if disappointing is the word I would use. I would put relieved, at, I guess, because when I first saw the notice, I was like, I have to worry about third parties taking over my photos and then AI taking all the copy. And... Oh, so so you like it because it was ineffective? Yeah, because that means nobody else is controlling the listings. Right, right. AI yeah. doesn't do. I much, would like right? to use AI when and how I like to use it, and that's outside of the platform where I make my own copy. And I've messed around a little bit with the AI images for ads within the Amazon platform, as well as uh, you know, if you drop in a title, it will, and you're creating a new product, it will suggest a category, or maybe it will. Uh, suggest an enhanced title. I'm okay with those, but I have the option to say, yes, I want to use this or no, I don't want to, where the way that this was set up is it was saying, we are going to use AI to enrich your content. 
Yeah. So you didn't like the loss of control on that. Correct. Sonny, have you checked out um, other AI things that are going on? So Microsoft launched a bunch of new AI image tools targeting retail media. So they were targeting ads and images used for retail media in this new package they launched. It just came out. I don't know if you've had a chance, but Sonny, you're kind of our lead on testing those new systems out. I have not seen that, but uh, I guess uh, is that something similar to uh, OpenAI with their store with a bunch of AI tools? Uh, that's a that's a separate thing that happened there. But yeah, open this is Microsoft's own new package you can buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but OpenAI did launch the GPT store, which is what you're talking about here, right? So correct. Uh, and that came out just recently, I think just a week and a half ago, a week or two ago. Um, but you can buy basically it's customized versions based off of chat of things that run off of Chat GPT. Some of the examples were um Consensus was one of the apps launched there, which searches through 200 million academic research papers to try and get you answers on things. CodeTutor, which is a Khan Academy uh, application that helps you work out how to code. It does not write the code for you. It tries to help kind of teach you how to write the code. Designer GPT, which creates custom websites, and Logo Creator, um, which Logo Creator I thought was pretty funny because it became a meme pretty quick of people downloading Logo Creator and using it and creating really horrendous, terrible logos with logo creator and then making fun of it so there was that one quickly got memed um as not but some of these other ones are probably pretty effective on it um i haven't dove into the store too much myself other than kind of cruising through the what what was on the front page right um but applications of that have we found anything that's going to be an application for things that we do in e-commerce yet there's going to be things in there i'm just yeah it's, it'll be interesting to see all the offerings and uh, maybe that'll be a, another podcast. Yeah, I, well, I think we did a whole recap of here's the AI tools that are offered by for free from the major services. We did that in December. But yeah, we're get, there's been so many new tools launched in the last month and a half that we're going to have to go back and do that again. Um, and the last one here is, uh, well, we should mention Natural Search. Uh, Walmart announced it last year. They're going to have Natural Search into their search so it's going to be easier to search by like use case i need a i need a cup that does this or i need i need a toy that's good for kids like this and things the things that you wouldn't normally put in search before um shopify in its winter editions announced it's adding natural search and amazon announced it's testing its own natural search on the 16th is when they announced that it's not live everywhere it's in beta um but i think natural search is now going to become kind of standard for all these platforms is what it looks like um and the only last AI thing I had, I put in here because I thought it was, it made me smile a little bit, was that Sam's Club, which notoriously always makes you, had a human, and usually somebody, um, somebody retired, um, who this is kind of a little extra cash standing by the door, who would go through your cart and your receipt and manually check everything off before you could leave the building. They've now started doing that with AI. So you just roll through there and AI checks your cart without you having to do anything else. Um, they did, they said to save time and make it better customer experience, but you know, poor went out for all the, all the old dudes at our Sam's club that don't have this, this role anymore, I guess. Um, that was a different kind of use that felt like a very Sam's club use of AI. Um, for me, at least a different take on it. I don't know how the AI works for that. I will have to go to Sam's club and figure that out. Right. Like they're just throwing those two letters onto it. When it's probably just something. It kind of feels like it, doesn't right. it? Um, it kind of feels like it. So, because I don't know how the AI is going to do that, um, but they had to put AI in something. Is is this anything like the Amazon Fresh stores, where you could just walk in, sign in with your app, 
put the items into your cart and just roll out the store and walk out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if it's some of the same technology, but the Sam's Club purchase is much more complicated because it's big stuff in bulk you're buying. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, because the Amazon store, you could just you just put stuff in your in your bag and you walk out of the store and you charges you before you get right. home, right? So right. Um, the irony of that is we'll that there's still long lines. I guess people still prefer to wait in lines. So anything else we want to cover? I think the only other thing we were talking about uh, that, well, there's a bunch of other stuff on our list, but there was the Neuralink implanting a wireless brain chip in somebody's head and saying the patient was recovering nicely. So Parker, how are you recovering with that Neuralink in your head yeah, right now? I was, I was thinking of, uh, so a similar topic from earlier in the show, say at some point in the future, you got to pay for your subscription on the Neuralink and you don't upgrade. So you get the ads version. <laughs> all of a sudden you got ads in your eyeballs or what What you can't turn off in your head I'm just and I'll get in trouble for saying this with some folks probably but um, all the talk about um, you know don't give me a vaccine because Bill Gates is going to put microchips in my blood but if Elon Musk wants to put an actual chip in my head that's awesome go do that um, I'm just trying to kind of rationalize how all those things can fit together with the same folks but Maybe my brain is too small to comprehend a universe where both of those things exist. But You might need a chip to understand it. I might need to have a chip in my brain to understand it or microchips rolling through my blood to understand things. So anything else we want to cover, guys? We're, we're running. We're, we're at time. So anything else we want to cover here? Great. A lot of stuff happened, obviously, in January. Uh, if you've made it this far, thank you for listening through and tune in to us next week where we plan on having um, one of our old friends who... Uh, is the head of the new head of e-commerce over at Swiss gear um, for an interview on and just talking about his journey and everything he's done. He was a small Shopify mom and pop seller and then kind of graduated all through the system to bigger and bigger things. So uh, if that interview holds up for the time we have set, uh, we'll have that for next week. If not, we'll have a different topic, but thank you all for listening. Thank you, Parker. Thank you, Sonny. Thank you, Shelby. And thank you so much for joining us on the e-commerce source podcast. Um, if you have any questions, feedback, or episode ideas, or the like, feel free to shoot us a message at Roar, R-A-W-R, at ecomasaurus.com. If you're a small to medium-sized brand owner that needs help growing your e-commerce sales channels, you can find us at 50poundboson.com. That's 50-P-O-U-N-D-B-O-S-O-N.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back again next week. Bye.